0: gather in the woods. What are they doing? Nothing good. They're sitting around a kettle, uh, a cauldron of sorts. They put some liquids and whatnot in there, some other stuff, weird stuff, you know, like witches do. And uh, when they finish their spelling and spills, they jump aboard. What? Nothing. They just fly now. Oh. They oh, just fly. Man. They don't need anything. Oh, They're man. pretty good witches. You know, I got to
1: say, when we did the 10th episode of this podcast, the one that uh, finished up the first part, you finally got that whole cauldron thing. So I thought maybe here in the last episode of the second part of
0: the season, you might figure out we're talking about a freaking broom. Nope. A this time, but- no, we broom. just, we flew around. That's what, like, the oh. think a lot of time witches, they learn from their situations and they, they like, fly. Sure. So it's, you know what? It's fine. You know I'm going I'm to let this slide. Broom's just Jim broom. Broom's just a symbol. doesn't mean anything. It's just like, whoops, sure. we don't need it. A broom is a flight your heart takes, right? Okay.
1: Okay. Great. I'll take it. Hey, everybody. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And you are listening to the chilling podcast of Sabrina. We're going to be talking about the, the last episode of part two as teased during that hilarious bit we were doing right at the beginning of the show. We're going to be talking about chapter 20, the Mephisto
0: Waltz. No, Alex, we wrapping we're wrapping we, up. Uh, the witches send that to us. That's actually not uh, recorded in-house. That's like these, right. we, we yes, offload we that to these other witches.
1: We hired three witches. Yeah, to do this. By the way, what did we have to pay them?
0: how How many of our children? Uh, Firstborn, secondborn, and otherborn, and any other. Okay. Parents? All right, I can definitely cover the first two, but
1: I'll talk to them about see what we can work out for the third bit. Totally negotiable. Yeah, <coughs> I'll just make a bunch of babies real quick. No big. Yeah. No big. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about Chapter Twenty of the Miss Walls, Wall, so wraps up Part Two, also wraps up the first season of Sabrina. So that's a pretty exciting. Uh, before we get into the recap, I want to get a sense from you guys: what did you think of the season overall? How do you feel it tied up? How'd you feel about well, it? How'd you feel about it as a show?
2: I, I think it's important that we talk about this. And two separate blocks, you know what I mean, oh, like the Jesus first Christ. season and then the second season, uh, <laughs> right. because they okay. split Okay. Oh,
1: have you seen the second season? Because that hasn't been written or produced or shot or aired yet, Pete. This is just the first season of the show. Well, that's what you like to believe, uh, and also what is publicly available as information is correct from a production standpoint. I'm sorry, but, but, but when you that-
2: have a first season and then it stops and takes a break for a while. That's the end of the first season. And then when it comes back on, that's the second season. That's how television works.
1: Pete, you are asleep for sometimes upwards of 12 to 40 hours a night. When you wake <laughs> up, are you a different person or are you the same Pete?
2: It's a different
1: day. It's not the same
0: day. <laughs> oh, wow. Think sure, about that. But a,
1: different day, different Pete? Oh, to man, that blew my mind. I I really should not have gotten super high before we did this podcast. That was a big mistake on my part. Uh, What did you guys think? uh, Shut up, Pete. Uh, What did you guys think about the season overall?
0: Uh, I mean, great. Really, like, I feel like Sabrina especially was uh, just such a stronger character throughout. And uh, the the whole series feels like like it really understands what it is. And so much is happening all the time uh, in a way where every character really gets to shine.
2: Uh, I agree a little bit. I mean, Sabrina Archie did it up a lot, you know, just running into burning fires, everybody being like, Sabrina, think before you act. And she was like, I never do, and I never will. So that part was a little frustrating, but I agree that she had a, a, a definitely a, a, a kind of more unique arc this season. Um, and also I feel like uh, we got a lot of great moments with her human friends and uh, the school was kind of fun, how they kind of uh, broke that up as well. I mean, you know, I'm sure Alex would agree Dorcas was amazing, this, this second part.
1: Really, really stepped up to the it plate, really Dorcas. It really was Dorcas' <laughs> season.
0: <laughs> <laughs> season uh, this, season Dorcas.
1: I, I thought the season was great, and I thought this finale was great. Um, I, you know, it, to your point, Justin— It built in that first part, but they brought everything together very, very nicely. By the end, they started to do that last episode a little bit, and then here, the finale really picked all of the pieces that had been left over the course of the season, all the character arcs, everything, and brought them together in a very nice, very satisfying way. I, I thought overall it was a really good episode of television that was fun to watch, was incredibly creative in every episode, and I grew to really love the characters more and more over the course of the season. I, yeah. I was very impressed at the
2: end I, of the day. I would say, though, that like for me, I... This was like Hilda's seat. Like the second part was really great for Hilda, and I feel like Auntie Z stumbled a little bit, and that was a little tough at times because she, to me, was such a stronger character early on. Uh, but you know, people go through stuff, so I, I understand that. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was kind of cool to see Hilda come into the uh, power a little bit
1: in the second part. Yeah, cool. All right, with that out of the way, why don't we get into the recap of everything leading into the episode? huge revelations, big things happening across the board, uh, we found out that Sabrina is the harbinger of the apocalypse. She yep. has been born, essentially, to bring Lucifer Morningstar out of hell, give him his true form, and through a series of circumstances manipulated by Madam Satan, a.k.a. Lilith, a.k.a. Miss Wardwell, she was forced into a situation where she caused all of these things to happen, and is essentially, as far as we know, bringing about the apocalypse as we get into this episode. It was a flash of lightning. Uh, she's clearly thought she was stopping the apocalypse, along with her cousin Ambrose. Uh, Ambrose, by the way, we should mention, was previously imprisoned uh, for... For 75 years, thank you for uh, trying to blow up the Vatican. Then he was accused of trying to kill Father Blackwood and also accidentally killed the anti-pope.
0: So lots of stuff going on Well, with well let me him. ask you but this. For- if he was blowing up the Vatican, was he also blowing up the secret underground gravity-flipped uh, Church of Satan underneath the Vatican?
2: Well, I think that's I do- what it was. I don't think it was the real Vatican. I th- I think he was taking a shot at the underground Vatican?
1: No, I think... As far as we know, it was the Vatican, not the Upside Down Vatican. Wow. Uh, but I do think that is a plot point that we potentially could touch on more in Season 2. Uh, but I guess we'll see if they actually go You think that they'll
0: direction. get into which Vatican he was blowing up? Yeah, I hope so. I hope we get to see the
1: Upside Down Vatican and establish whether the gravity is flipped or not, as we
0: We've Well, on our suspected. podcast, the gravity's flipped, Alex. As we, we yeah, said that,
1: wise. that was our
0: spell that we cast. P he wasn't here, but we said it at the same time. Yeah, that's true.
1: We, and that binds it. Speaking of bindings, uh, the greatest binder of his age, Nick Scratch, the bad boy of the show, is dating yeah. Sabrina Spellman. They're very much in love. Everything is going very nicely. Uh, he found out from Miss Wardwell. Uh, he actually managed to kind of turn Miss Wardwell onto the side of, if not good, at least not evil, last episode. Meanwhile, Aunt Zelda had married Father Blackwood, the head of the Church of Night, and the principal of the Academy of the Unseen Arts, and uh, had been tricked by him, had been ensorcelled by
0: him. Ensorcelled. To have a, what? Ensorcelled, I totally agree. Ensorcelled, You're never, yeah.
2: You never trust one of those music boxes. Never, never. trust them.
0: They're if I always see a music
2: me. box
1: at a house, yeah, I just knock it off the shelf. It's smart. Break it straight off. Uh, so she was ensorcelled by him. I got to stop saying that word. And uh, was forced into sort of a Stepford wife role, but she broke out of it, went undercover. Uh, that was revealed last episode, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, yeah. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm Two sort of Yes. Okay. I'm starting to mix up episodes a little bit. Um, Meanwhile, as Pete mentioned earlier, Anne Hilda has very much been stepping up in a big way over the course of the episodes. She ended up killing um, Mephistopheles, I believe, the cigarette-smoking man, who was the head
0: of the council. No, that's not his name. What? Uh, No, his name is um, something else. Hold on, let me think for a second. Methuselah. Methuselah. Methuselah, that's it.
1: Methuselah. Not Mr. Mesopheles. Old Deuteronomy is on Riverdale, which is why I got
0: confused. I thought everybody's Cats characters. Uh, stop reading the Bible. You're too deep into the Bible when it comes to these shows, Alex. By the Bible, you mean the book of the musical Cats, right? <laughs> yeah. That, that's exactly what I mean. Excellent. My Bible. So... And Hilda
1: killed Methuselah, the cigarette smoking man, uh, the leader of the advisors or the council that ran the church of night. So lots of stuff going on with that. Um, Let's talk about Sabrina's human friend. She's got Theo. Theo has a ghost relative who has been advising him throughout this entire season. There's also Harvey, who is Sabrina's ex-boyfriend. Harvey is a witch hunter. His power is he has a
0: gun. Uh, And Art, he also is a great artist. It comes in uh, hugely important in this final episode uh, that he is an artist. Well,
2: the the whole fortune teller thing really paid off for him.
0: Really did.
1: Uh, Things are looking up Harvey, including he's dating Roz. Roz lost her eyesight briefly, but got it back. She still has The Cunning, a second sight that she can use to predict the future. And um, yeah, they're in love, Roz and
0: Harvey. Yeah. They are the true couple of Sabrina. Yes. How do you feel about that, Pete?
2: I feel great about it. You know, I feel like Roz is very happy and I'm happy for Roz. And, uh, you know, for some reason, Sabrina's
0: into the bad boy. And so, you know. Oh, what, yeah. I yeah. Can't... For some reason that someone's into a bad boy. Yeah. Right. I oh, Because saying... he's so polite. Well, I think this episode, the game's changed yeah, exactly. a little bit. This
2: episode reveals what we've all known the whole motherfucking time.
0: <laughs> all right, we'll
1: get to that. Uh, last thing, we should actually talk about the Weird Sisters, Prudence, uh, Dorcas, and Agatha. Uh, they are frenemies with Sabrina more enemies than uh, friends at this point. Yeah. And Prudence in particular has been jockeying for the affection of her father, father Blackwood. She got his name. She got his favor. Uh, but as we uh, found out, um, she, uh, this was the last episode with the kids, right? Again, I'm sort of mixing things up, but yes, yep. uh, the, the babies were revealed. Yes. So, yep. uh, Aunt Zelda had hid a baby in the woods, Uh, From Father Blackwood Uh, The baby was reunited with the twin Um, And yeah, basically everything's going down this episode So why don't we get into it, Justin?
0: Let's do it Uh, So this episode kicks off with a deep flashback
2: Yeah, origin story of origin
0: stories Uh, With like hot Lilith, hot Lucifer They're meeting, they're hot Yeah. I'm converting to this religion. I'm into this couple.
1: Well, I got to ask you guys, because I'm not totally familiar with satanic texts, I guess, but at least part of the Bible or this part of the Bible. No, I'm really not. Uh, Is
0: this true to the Bible stories? Do you guys know? Uh, I (laughs) went to Sunday school for like uh, nine months when I was a kid. So as far as I Uh, know, this is straight up true. And this is the religion I practice. Oh, okay, great. great. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's true or not. All right. I worship at it's... the altar of these smoking hot people just boning for a thousand years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what would you do if you were in the wreckage of Earth and there was the Garden of Eden was a while away and you weren't allowed in it? What are you going to do? You're going to bone on an altar. Hell yeah, you are. Yeah. Until the person you're boning starts
2: to turn into some kind of weird donkey horse monster. Which is a weird choice. Like,
0: after thousands of years of sex where it's like, oh, he's trying to be a donkey. It's like, wait, what do you mean? (laughs) What's your move? You're trying to, like, have hooves and have, like, antlers? What's the draw?
1: I mean, first of all, it's definitely a goat. I'm just going to put that out there. Not a donkey or a horse. Oh, okay. Uh, But second of all, yeah, I mean, that just kind of naturally happens after a while. Relationships change. One person becomes a goat monster.
0: It's normal stuff, you know? Well, let me also really? say, in, the, in, the, in a recent episode uh, of our podcast about the show, um, we talked about what we think the Dark Lord looks like. And I said he has hooves and a big dick, and I think I was right. <laughs> I think I was 100% I mean, yeah, no, right.
2: No, I was the only one who said he was going to be in human form, and you guys were like, nah, nah.
0: I think well, that we were both right, because I said hooves big dicked, and you said um, human. And he's a jacked dude with one hoof and a big dick.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You don't see his dick, so you don't know that. Uh, all right? I uh,
0: think we know what's up.
1: Yeah. I, I got to tell you, I, uh, I slowed the episode down as much as I possibly could and frame by frame. And I think I saw a little dick there. Just oh, kind of okay. hanging out. Little or big Big. yeah, Guys, <laughs> Thank you. what I'm are there. we talking about? Can we please move on? This is the show. Uh, no, I don't think we'll ever move on. This is the next hour of this podcast. Oh, man. Uh, so he uh, walks up, and he comes out of the mind. He is jacked. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah just wearing a thong. Just wearing a thong, 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 thong. It's sort <laughs> of a <laughs> hangy.
0: Th- it's like a, a thong with a little sail on it.
1: It's a loin cloth. Yeah. Uh, that's what it is. It's yeah. a loose thong. <laughs> it's called the Light Club hey. And he goes into a Dorian Gray's Club As you uh, do
2: when you're just rocking the thong You go to the first bar you can find Yeah, yeah
1: Classic Terminator move
0: Yeah, Exactly, that's definitely what I felt coming out here is Termi- Total Terminator stuff
1: Yeah, so he goes to Dorian Gray's club. Dorian Gray, of course, is from the portrait of Dorian Gray, but he sold his soul to the devil, as is explicitly revealed here. Um, I love this little scene. I'm really enjoying Dorian Gray as literally the gray between the good and the evil of the show. His reaction realizing that it is Satan who is approaching him, the way that he switches. He
2: doesn't doesn't realize it until Satan tells him, because at first he's like, hey there, hot stuff, what's up?
1: Yeah, and I like, like that. I like I'm that little scene, and I'm, you, I'm excited to see more Dorian Gray going forward. I think it's a nice addition to the show. Yeah, agreed.
0: He's the pop's chocolate shop of
1: uh, Sweden. Right. <laughs> yes, he's definitely the pop. Like I think there's pretty much an equivalent between Dorian Gray, the hot young dude who lives in a painting, and Pop, who makes milkshakes and is sad all the time.
0: Oh, he's not sad all the time. <laughs> Mostly. No, Pop keeps has a painting. Also, he just keeps uh, milkshakes yeah. in it. The milkshakes he doesn't drink in it.
1: Yeah, I think Pop is the painting, and there's like some pretty young painting hanging somewhere.
0: That'd be a cool crossover if uh, Dorian Gray, if Pop was Dorian Gray's painting, and as as Dorian Gray got younger, Pop <laughs> just sort of aged and was sadder.
1: Well, there was that whole thing, uh, which is canonical in – not to get too deep into this – in the Riverdale comic books where Pop – I think it was Pop's dad actually sold his soul to the devil for a bunch of burgers.
0: Uh, right, we got
2: to get back talking about Superman.
0: <laughs> no, I don't think so. No, this is <laughs> definitely the content. Uh, yeah, that definitely checks out. Cool. Uh, so what happens next, Justin? Oh, great. Uh, so we have uh, – the a great uh, confluence of everyone: uh, Sabrina, Nick Scratch, Ambrose. They are catching the ants up on all the yeah. shit that's been going down, and we learn that the Spellmans uh, are the devil's great, are the Dark Lord's greatest weaknesses. Yeah, which nice. I thought was cool. Also,
2: also, it turns out the devil doesn't like onions.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Well, uh, I I wanted to mention something you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, Pete, because you said that Zelda has kind of floundered a little bit. First of all, I think Miranda Otto definitely has it. We talked about this in the previous episode, but the way she did the Stepford wife character was great. The way that she immediately switched back to Zelda is great. And this episode had one of my favorite type of Zelda scenes, which is Zelda... Has been so into the church of night and so into being a witch, but the second her family is threatened, she's yeah. like, "Nope, not going to stand." Stepped,
0: We're doing. She
2: stepped she, up, man. Yeah. That was yeah, fantastic. Exactly. She was like, "No, Sabrina over the Dark Lord," which because at first she was like, "The Dark Lord's coming," got kind of excited, and then she was like, "I choose Sabrina." So I was really impressed with that.
1: It's great. I mean, that's what she does every time. She says one thing, but when the chips are down, she'll always stand by her family more than anything else in the world, which is why what happens at the end of the episode is so interesting in terms of what that will mean going forward. Oh, yeah. But we'll get there
0: as well. Certainly, and I also love that she's just straight up hitting on Nick Scratch whenever she feels it. I mean, maybe that'll happen. I don't know. She
2: just calls him a young strapping man. I mean, you know, I don't know how much of a hit in that. That's what Um, he is, Pete. He's a young strapping man. Right, so she's just calling it like she sees it. She's not like... Hey, oops! You dropped that pencil. Why don't you bend over and pick it up? You know what I mean?
0: Okay, that's very. So, specific.
1: do you, <laughs> Justin? Do you ship Legend of Scratchman?
0: <laughs> wow, uh, I like where you're headed there. Um, no, I don't ship that because um, Nick Scratch and uh, Sabrina are the ultimate endgame, as we've learned at the by the end of this episode. <laughs> Scratchman is strong, so I. How dare you? All right. Let me just well, end, Let me just end by the... saying, "How dare you?"
1: Okay. <laughs> All I'm saying is maybe they will assemble that Triforce and bring Legend of Stratchman to its logical conclusion. Oh, no way. No? Uh, So then the humans show up
0: at the auntie's house. Yes. Uh, (laughs) uh, Great. Always keeping us on task, Uh, Pete. You're sort of our Miss Wardwell. Thank you. (laughs) In a lot of ways.
2: Please call me Madam Satan. So there's a fun moment where the humans are like, hey, are you really you or are you carrot, Sabrina? And then that's Theo's definitely like, yo because I stomp out carrot motherfuckers left and right.
0: That uh, let me just say those are two direct quotes from the show. That's definitely what the characters call each other: carrot Sabrina and carrot motherfuckers.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like this though. I mean, it, there's no reason for them to think it's Sabrina, but a lot of this episode and a lot of the second part of the season has been about bringing. Sabrina's friends together to be her own Scooby Gang, a la Buffy the Vampire Slayer, yeah. and I, I like that. I like that they're rolling with it now. That we don't have to spend a lot of time on the whole. Oh, what's going on here? Are magic things real? They know they're real. They've seen them multiple times. They were turned into it carrots. It's all good.
0: I got to say, there's a lot of Buffy connections um, in this episode specifically. I feel like uh,
2: also a lot of great like one liners in this episode.
0: Yes, let's get
1: back to the Buffy for a second. How do you mean, Justin? I
0: mean uh, that we learn in this episode that Greendale is the place where um, Lucifer fell to Earth. That there is the nexus, the gateway to Hell. That it, it, very similar uh, to the Buffy verse where the Hellmouth is there. Like it definitely feels, uh, and, and everyone's coming together in a very specific way. If I felt a lot of strong Buffy vibes this episode.
1: Yeah, Ooh. and I think that's purposeful. You know, a lot of these. Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa shows where their influences on their sleeve and then mix them together in new ways. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. I think Buffy is a good example of supernatural shows to pull on. But to me, to your point, I agree. You definitely get those feelings and those references there. They're dealing with the apocalypse, which is a classic Buffy the Vampire Slayer thing. Um, but... At the same time, it feels very much like its own thing and its own show. So it weaves those those elements in without distracting from it would be my take. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And so now uh, Sabrina's like, hey, humans, listen, Uh, end of the world coming. Could really use your help. Uh, Gates of hell are opening. And then Harvey, not Harry, as Nick Scratch tries to say again, so uncool. Uh, is like, hey, probably the minds, right? And Sabrina's like, oh, man, why did I stop loving you? You are so much smarter than this asshole I'm dating. Uh, And they decide, like, hey, you know what? Even though we're just humans, we'll go and, like, you know, try to stop the gates of hell from opening.
0: No one thinks Harvey is smarter than anything else. (laughs) No he proved
2: it. He knew the minds. And then he was yep. like, hey, I should probably get some dynamite Pete, Anytime any drawing any, paper. Seems like a smart guy to me.
0: Anytime anyone asks Harvey a question, he's like, the mines? He, that's his <laughs> go-to answer. And also his go-to answer is dynamite.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, they, even they call him out on that. He's like, uh, should I get okay? They're like, okay. What's the plan? And he's like, I don't know, dynamite. I guess. <laughs> that's my plan. And then he grabs his sketch pad. And he's like, maybe I'll need that later. I mean, granted, yeah. he does, and that's yeah, fine. He does. But that was something where anybody should be like, no, leave your sketch pad, idiot. You're not going to have time to draw stuff.
0: I mean, if no, you don't tell. If we want to follow if we want to follow their thread a little bit, like those three going to the gate of hell that exists in the minds of uh, Greendale was crazy. That was like they were like three Indiana Joneses down there. No one knows what the fuck's going on. They're like, we'll draw our way out." It was crazy. No, but
2: it worked. It was great because it tied in the whole. Thing where, you know, where uh, Harvey's dream came true and the sketches. And then also we got to see that not only does she have the cunning, but she can like make somebody else see what she sees. I thought it was fantastic. Just to
1: give you guys the short version of it, because we're jumping all over the place here. So they get down. uh, They find the gates of hell using the cunning. Um, The gates of hell. They see that there's some symbols and some signs on there. Uh, as mentioned, uh, Roz is able to use her cunning to feed that into uh, Harvey's head so he becomes possessed. And starts drawing them. And Theo, of course, uses his ghost powers to pick up the papers and then place them around the door. Yes. Uh, and they create a ring uh, around the gates of hell, mostly manage to stop it. The gates of hell start to open anyway. And Theo realizes, oh, we need one more piece of paper uh, that I forgot to bring over and brings that piece of paper over. And they stop the gates of hell. Theo uh, then says, we did it. We did it. Uh, steps towards the gates of hell and is grabbed by some demons. uh, And then they get out of that, and we'll probably get back to, um, Madam Satan comes and is very impressed and saves them later. But to your point, Justin, it's ridiculous that there's these two enormous things going on. Mind you, there are two very big things, but one is the devil is walking the earth, and the other one is the gates of hell opening, and they're like, great. You three humans, you've got... A sketch pad, a ghost friend we don't know about, and you don't wear glasses anymore. Take care of the gates of hell thing by yourself. Don't take any of the witches.
0: Yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense. It was like the it was like the Goonies with the stakes ramped up to a million. Uh, my favorite part was when um, Roz was like, "Harvey, can you please clear your mind?" Harvey was like, <laughs> "What? What? My, my brain's <laughs> empty all the time."
2: I would like to say though. The shot of Roz, like in front of the gates of hell, with that like lighting where like there was like these little pieces of white light going across her face, like almost splitting her face into parts, was a badass
0: shot. That was fantastic. Cool. Yes, that was very uh, cool.
1: the whole thing. I, I, I don't want to be too negative about it because it was fun. It was enjoyable. I was fine while it was all happening, but it was definitely like you could have taken one act. You know, either Zelda or Hilda could have no, gone down there. No, they at the
0: house, man.
1: I guess, but,
0: but I, have, I, don't I actually don't mind it as a choice for for what happened because they were like in a chaos point, and Harvey was like, yeah, "We'll go sure. to the mines where the gate of hell is," and they're like, "Sure." Sabrina's like, "Sure, go, cool, handle that." <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, She has a lot. He, she was dealing with the Dark Lord himself, who again, oddly, has one hoof and one foot. Don't, that doesn't make sense? Uh, and-
1: well I th- I, th- I actually do think that does make sense because the idea is that he still has one foot in hell, right like figuratively mm-hmm. and literally. So he is not completely free of that place yet. He hasn't brought hell to earth. His whole plan is to free the demons, uh, take over and rule over which kind and humankind with Sabrina at his side as his queen, which is the thing that had turned Miss Wardwell the last episode when she found out she was never going to be queen of hell. Uh, but as soon as Lucifer but, gets up there, she's playing both sides. Yes, Pete.
2: Uh, she, she was actually told uh, by Satan that you get next, and which makes me think that his plan for Sabrina is just to kind of start this kind of apocalypse, and then he would murder her, and then he would rule with
1: um, Madam Satan. I didn't get that at all. I think Madam Satan has been pushed completely to the side. Sabrina is much more interesting and much more powerful
0: uh, in Lucifer's eyes, and that's who he wants to be with. It's a much more sensible thing where Lucifer is Sabrina's father, and also she is his wife.
1: Right. That's a pretty normal thing that happens. It's a
0: pretty expected thing that Alex is very cool with.
1: Yes, I love that idea and I'm very into it. It's like uh, my favorite show Game of Thrones which is coming back pretty soon and I'm excited to find out who's going to have a baby first, the aunt and her nephew or the brother and the sister. Wow, this is so gross.
0: It's, I mean, it's fine. I'm sorry, Pete, this is one of this the most is television.
1: Po- this is our yeah, culture. Cool. <laughs> cool this cool. is uh, that's one of the most popular shows in the world and people are just very excited who's going to see who's going to have a baby first, you know? Which, which relatives, which do you think, Justin, you watch Game of Thrones, which relatives are going to have a baby I first? love
0: Game of Thrones. I want them all to, I want both those babies to happen, and I want those babies to also make a baby. <laughs>
2: hey, can we get back to the show that we're doing a
1: podcast about, please? Oh, right. Okay. So Sabrina gets invited over to dinner at Dorian's Club, where she meets Lucifer, uh, and Lucifer reveals a couple of things to her, a couple of big revelations. Uh, probably the first big revelation is Nick Scratch, total bad boy oh, for real life. what a
0: fun reveal. Nick Scratch has. Yes. Oh, this is classic
2: rom-com trope right here, where... One dude bets another dude to date the girl that nobody likes, a.k.a. Sabrina, because she's half human, Mm -hmm. half witch, and then ends up falling in love with her. I mean, that's a classic rom-com trope right there.
1: Well, he did walk out, and he said, Sabrina, I'm sorry, I did a she's all that. And she was like, I get it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was definitely a a little on the nose, had us Googling real hard. I mean, Nick Scratch, he clearly loves her. He made some mistakes, sure, but I think he really reinforced his bad boy uh, status with this movie. Well, yeah.
2: Also, you don't know that we find out that he loves her, but like it could he could have been just you know serving his dark lord this whole time. Oh, so you're saying well, he show.
0: could have been when he's clearly not because he clearly does love her, which we find out by the end of the episode. Pete, well, yeah, to, by
2: the end of the episode, we find that yeah, exactly. Well, well, that's what love is. That that Pete, that's what love is. You don't know is. that at that point. Yeah, but I, we learn it
0: pretty quickly, and
2: I believe the whole time. <laughs> Scratchman no, is strong. No, you Pete. don't know that. Scratch was just a pawn in this whole fucking Satan deal. You're a pawn. In
1: that the continuity me. of things, we should mention that the first, like, hardcore bad boy thing he did was he liked her when he met her in chorus class and sat with her at lunch because she was lonely. Total bad boy Very move. Very
0: bad
1: boy move. Oh my god. He just and being then, in
0: chorus is bad as fuck.
1: Yeah. And then uh and then he um the Dark Lord asked him to do something, and he was like, "Okay, that sounds good." Uh, and then, uh, yeah, and then um, he loved her anyway.
0: <laughs> Another uh, Bev, total bad boy move. Yeah, being consistent is the ultimate bad boy move. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did
2: feel bad because, like, Sabrina was cr- pretty much crying this whole episode. Like every time, it was a real emotional roller coaster where she had the tears rolling. She was like, Nick Scratch, you motherfucker.
1: Well, yeah, so he did betray her. And then the second thing that we find out, as we already mentioned, is that Lucifer, Edward, is not, in fact, your father. Lucifer is her father. Total Empire Strikes Back moment yeah, there. The classic, yeah,
2: classic, I am your father.
1: Yeah. How'd that strike you guys?
2: It was super creepy, especially when she called him dad. And he was like, oh, God, don't do that in public. Uh, that will freak people out. Uh
0: Yeah, it's a little bit of a surprise um, because so much of the season has been – or this part has been about um, her trying to track down her father's – her father's legacy and her father's philosophies and to learn that maybe that's not the case is sort of uh, surprising.
1: Well, here's what I liked about that reveal uh, because even though it was straight up the Empire Strikes Back reveal, it didn't feel derivative because – it's contextualized a different way on the show. Um, but I think, first of all, it points to why Sabrina is actually special. This entire time, be like, okay, she's a half-mortal, half-witch. That, that certainly makes her special in some way. But being the literal antichrist certainly makes her special in a very different way. Um, so I think that's good. But also, the purpose of the episode and what they really showed us over the course of the episode is... They're her family no matter what. And she even says this basically later on that she isn't technically a full Spellman, but she is a Spellman. They love her. They are the people that want to be with her. Ambrose and Zelda and Hilda and all of her friends. That is her family, not whoever her father is. And I thought they delivered that message very nicely.
0: Yeah, I definitely think this episode is about the Spellman family is this the core of uh, the, the witch resistance of the, all the main characters on our show. It's really they all rallied around themselves in a way which I thought was really great.
2: But I was a little creeped out by the fact that like, OK, the episode before uh, Blackwood was like, yeah, these two kids are going to get married. I'm going to make brother and sister marry each other. And then this episode, it was like, hey, daughter, you're going to. Rule with me and marry me, and we're going to rule hell and earth together.
1: Again, through TV, this is a thing as a culture we are totally cool with. Game of
2: Thrones. We are not totally cool with Game of Thrones. Don't push your agenda on me, bro.
0: We've accepted this as a culture, Pete, and a species. Yep. Pete, do you have a sister? (laughs) (laughs) Unrelated unrelated question. Pete, do you have a sister? (laughs) Or an aunt you really like?
1: (laughs) Just a relative you can
0: marry. Any relative you can marry.
1: Tell her how you feel. That's all I'm saying. If you and you people listening out there, if you have a relative that you love, tell them. That's nice.
2: First off, you can tell a relative that you love them. That's normal.
1: No, no, no. But But like I'm winking right now. Like love them. Love them, dude. Love. Stop this. (laughs) You really got to watch Game of Thrones. It's a very good show. Never. Anyway, back to the plot. What, what's going on? What else should we talk about? Uh, should we. Can we talk about the one liners finally?
0: Sure. What One liners. One liners? What do you even mean?
2: Not today, Satan. I mean, that's a classic. I oh. mean, that, Sabrina delivered oh, sure. that. I will say, yes. Straight face. They were looking right at the
0: camera. Yeah. That was hysterical. Uh, she did have another one uh, earlier. Uh, Sorry, but I have school. Uh, Yeah, that was. Which is also very cool. She's holding on to her human side.
1: Yeah. Well, she's holding on to her human side, and she is not afraid of Satan, which is the thing that actually probably makes her special and makes her the hero of the series, is she is the one character that is not absolutely terrified. And her strength, her bravery, we're making fun of her by calling her, you know, the Archie, that she's like a giant baby who's told, okay, now don't touch the stove, and then she touched the stove anyway. But that's what makes her able to get through the situation at the same time when nobody else could, just her absolute belief that she will persevere at all points.
2: Also, uh, Ambrose had a funny line where he was like, uh, unholy shit. That was a really funny line. Yeah.
1: Everybody had some a lot of great lines uh, in this episode. So what they do is uh, they decide, no, we're not going to stand up to this. We're not going to let this happen. Uh, So they decide to attack Satan and Miss Wardwell actually talks them through it. Yes. uh, Which brings together a couple of things. They come up with a magic horseshoe that is going to uh, take out his cloven hoof. Uh, But also I'm forgetting exactly what it's called, but essentially there's a metal stick that Father Blackwood Had uh, tricked uh, I believe that's the same stick That Ambrose had used to kill the antipope A couple of episodes back, right? The spear? Yeah, Yeah. the spear Yeah, Uh, And so he forges one of those To take out Satan uh, And there's two daggers that Miss Wardwell Gives each of the ants to stab him Right in his wing holes They get there. Sabrina says, oh, I'm going to blow Gabriel's horn to open up the gates of hell. Uh, And when he gets close enough, she binds his foot. The ants jump out, stab him in the back. He turns into a goat monster briefly and says, well, actually, that's not enough. I'm stronger than that. Uh, And turns the knives around, puts them at the ant's neck. And Sabrina is forced to blow the horn and open up the gates of hell. This whole sequence was Great. So well staged. I loved seeing all the entire Spellman family working together. Uh, It was fun to have it with like a Miss Wardwell Ocean's Eleven narration thing going on. That was very cool.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah.
2: But it was also weird how she couldn't get involved. She just had to watch.
1: Well, because she is still trying to pretend to be on the side of Lucifer, right? Like, she's letting them put themselves out there, but she can't do it herself, at least not yet, not until the end of the episode. But she's the manipulator. I mean, that's what she is the entire time. She's the person that pushes people in these directions. And ultimately, to jump ahead, she gets what she's wanted the whole time. She manages to manipulate the situation, so she ends up the winner of this thing. The winner of the, if you will say, Game of Thrones.
2: It also makes you wonder if that wasn't her plan the whole time.
1: Ha! Huh. It does make you wonder that, Pete. It yeah. does. But that fails. They open up the gates of hell. Uh, Harvey and the gang, as we mentioned, manage to stop that mostly from happening, uh, but not completely. And then Satan decides, OK, we're going to have a coronation. I'm going to come out to the whole witch coven. Uh, let's do this. Yeah, and he wants
2: to have a ball.
1: He wants to have a ball. That's what you do. You have a you know, fancy I'll ball. Have a party. Throw a party. when you're Sing when you're winning. Yeah. Meanwhile, we should mention, though, Father, Father Blackwood, before we get to the actual Mephisto Waltz part, has been really messing up big time. He got uh, yeah. his anti-pope rescinded the previous episode, and now he goes up to the Dark Lord and says, well, I'm here for whatever you need, yeah. uh, and throws some shade at Sabrina, and the Dark Lord completely shuts him down.
2: Well, yeah, he starts off by being like, hey, don't worry, Satan. I'm, like, really dudeing it up over here. We're trying to push the wishes down, you know. uh, Bros, right? And then Satan's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And makes fun of his, like, new name of his school. And, yeah, Blackwood kind of freaks out. He's like,
0: Judas, I knew Judas, and you, sir, are no Judas. You,
2: sir, are no,
1: yeah."
0: yeah. Classic, classic line straight out of history. Uh,
1: And, uh, yeah, I think what this exposes very clearly in this episode, this is something we've kind of known in the background, but it's really stated out loud here, is that Father Blackwood is a total paper doll. Like, there's nothing going on behind him. He probably has never been talking to the Dark Lord. He has had no instruction. Everything that he has been doing is all for his own benefit, and that's
2: it. Also, there was a real fun moment where... Uh, before he goes and meets Satan, you know, Prudence is like, "Hey, listen, Weird Sisters, I'm sorry we're having a falling out. Let's let's kill Blackwood." And they're trying to do like a really cool spell, and then Blackwood walks
1: out and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, whatever you're doing. Hey, daughter, let's go meet Satan." Yeah. That was a nice moment. Uh, yeah, well, but Father Blackwood gets super frustrated. He decides they're going to flee. Uh, but before he does that, he poisons the entire congregation, telling them that they are going to essentially ascend and join the Dark Lord, that he approves of the Church of Night. Uh, and then he packs the bags and says, the only four people in the room the matter are us. That's it. Come on, Prudence, two babies that are about to be married. Now, let me cute, ask you guys, baby did you wedding. know, yes.
2: I thought that whole, like, the way they were showing people drink from the cups, I was like, oh, yeah, this is definitely poison.
0: Yeah, it definitely felt like a bad scene. Anytime someone's yeah. like, hey, let's all have a quick, just everyone sip from the same cup, That's you yeah. gotta be suspicious of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a whole Jonestown Massacre thing going on there, Um A lot of historical illusions in this episode. Uh, But yeah, they decide, he says, come on, all four of us are going to get out of the air. And Prudence says, absolutely not. I can't leave my real sisters. What did you do to them? Uh, And she runs back to the church, finds everybody's been poisoned, freaks out, grabs her sisters, apparates over to the Spellman's house and asks them to save them. Um, Smart man, and that's why uh, you needed all the witches at the Spellman house. Mm-hmm. not in the mines yeah, keep that. And, out and, of the and mines. again this sequence was uh, so good as the Spellmans jump back to the church one after another, grabbing yeah. the witches, bringing them back to the house, saving who they can, particularly Prudence's reaction there when she's bringing her sisters and she's sobbing and crying and shaking. Yeah. very powerful acting in that scene. Yeah, it was great.
0: I feel like everyone was at the top of their game this episode. Absolutely. Agreed. Yeah.
2: Except for that guy playing Satan. He's just a pretty boy. There was
1: nothing going on there. What? No, I thought he was great. I liked him. I <laughs> I liked I him, too. Co-
0: yeah. Again, very Satan. hot, great, a lot of sex on the pedestal. Yeah, big old dick. Big old dick. Oh, God. No, just, just big dick. And the, yes, guy. it is old, but I think it still maintained its youth. Oh, okay. Like,
1: well, it's a big old dick that looks young.
0: Yeah, exactly. doesn't, like, uh, wear it. So it's anyways.
1: Yours. Yeah. How much lotion do you think he uses? Oh, that's a
0: great, God. Alex, that's a great question. That's a Pulitzer Prize winning question. <laughs> <laughs> and the winner of the Pulitzer Prize in dick lotion <laughs> is Chilling Podcast of Sabrina. You know, not a lot of people compete for that, that Pulitzer, but that is one. No one talks yeah. about it. Us and yield the grass point, Tyson. Satan what?
2: goes back to the mines to uh, help the humans. Uh, we oh. shut things down. <laughs> oh, Peter, are you
0: blindly moving on because you don't like what we're talking about? <laughs> exactly. AKA yeah. business as usual for Pete LePage? Mm-hmm. Yep. Don't be shy. Right. We're talking about so regular So they rescue stuff. everybody
1: and then they come up with another plan. New plan. A new plan specifically. Super glamour plan. Right. Well, first, uh, Sabrina figures it out because she brings back the Acheron configuration. This is something that yes. we saw back in the episode with Batty Bat. This is something her father built in order to bind a powerful sleep demon. And she realizes, wait a second, if I can use, if we could do, put Batty Bat in there, maybe we could throw Lucifer there as well. And of note, Ms. Wardwell mentions at this point, you know, other than the human body, That is one of the strongest binding things you know. Yeah. So if we are going to build the theory that Miss Wardwell is still – well, not Miss Wardwell. If Madame Satan is manipulating the whole situation, it's pretty clear she knows what's going to happen here. And the Acheron configuration is not necessarily going to work. Mm -hmm. I think. That would be my take
0: on it at least. Yeah, but why – I guess it just sort of points to like what's her larger game across the board? Her
2: Her larger larger game – is for them to fail and she gets to run hell. That's yep. exactly.
1: Yeah. But it, yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly, that's what she said. She wanted the entire time. She wanted a yep. throne in hell. Lucifer isn't giving it to her and she gets through the situation with a throne in hell and she becomes the queen of hell at the end of the day. So yeah. she wins. It's so great. let's a- talk about end the... of show. Done. <laughs>
2: Let's talk about the ball, a.k.a.
1: Phantom of the Opera, Masquerade. Yes. So Lucifer is waiting uh, with Lilith. He says, where is everybody? And she says, here they come. And as Pete mentioned, they perform Masquerade from Phantom of the Opera, one of my least favorite musicals of all time. Uh, Hey, fuck you, man. Uh,
0: Phantom of the Opera sucks, Pete. Another mu- Dude, another you. musical theater based fuck you from Pete LePage.
1: <laughs> Here's the thing. You go to see Phantom of the Opera and they talk up, okay, the big thing that everybody's going to love is the chandelier is going to fall on stage. It's the most fucked up thing you've seen in your life. I can't believe it's doing it in a theater. And I remember very clearly sitting in the audience and being like, can't wait for the chandelier. This is going to be so cool. I can see it right at the top of the theater right now. Here it comes. Here it comes, and then the Phantom of the Opera brings down the chandelier, and it's like creak, 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 creak. creak. Over the course of like three minutes, this chandelier very slowly comes down and just well, is on stage. You Bad saw effect, it at man. a
2: shitty theater. Don't put that, I saw it at the gloriously restored Pantages Theater in Canada, <laughs> and the thing dropped 30 feet, just stopped before the top of the stage. I was sitting uh, with my family. Spellbound. Right there. Spellbound. I thought I was going to die. It was glorious.
1: Well, I guess the Pantages Theater in Canada was a better place to see it than the original Broadway Theater production of that. Apparently, the opera. this is a real so fight that you guys that, should have.
2: Just you're also, can we talk about the staging of Masquerade on that, that, that show, on Pete? That. Maybe,
1: again, I, I didn't see the Canadian production where they were like, <laughs> eating all their poutine and riding on a moose and whatever. Now you're being snobby. Hey, you just you're being Don't snobby. try to
2: knock it. It was clear that I went and saw a better production of it.
1: Well, let me ask you about the staging of Masquerade, because also the song Masquerade is annoying because they just walk down a staircase and they keep stamping more and more and more every single time they build the song. That was pretty annoying, again, on the stage show. Did they do it uh, like that at the Pantages Theater in Canada?
2: Dude, people were, it was fantastic. There was, it wasn't, didn't turn into Stomp. It was uh, a fun production where people were in the audience standing up with the mask. It was really well done.
0: Oh, this, right. has it been, sounds like- this has been our 90s Canadian theater podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're out of time, as usual. Because oh, I'm sorry, no Justin, likes-
2: did I go off topic and did it bother you a
0: little bit? Well, well, let me be honest, Pete. When I was growing up in upstate New York, we got ads all the time for the beautiful Pantagious Theater. The
2: gloriously restored Pantagious Theater.
0: The Phantom of the Opera is here. That's what they would say. Yeah. Yeah, I know.
2: Cool. I on the radio all the time. It would play. We never had well, the
0: balls to go see it, though. Not like you.
1: Yeah. This is all a way of saying I liked the masquerade number on Sabrina. Yes, like, it I was cool. hate. Yeah, I hate Phantom of the Opera. It drives me insane. But that's I watched this thing. and I was Don't like, "Don't bring this to the show." What?
2: That's your own personal bias that you're bringing. Well, that's to the, the thing. Show.
1: It was good enough that it broke through my personal bias towards Phantom of the Opera. That's that's my point, Pete. Uh, I was I'm. It was I no pantatious.
2: I, I felt the opposite. I was like, this is a B version of something that was fa- <laughs> unbelievably well done, and uh, it was heartbreaking to kind of see it done like this. Way. I
0: hope the creators of the of Sabrina can really know that they're going to have to reignite their <laughs> Canadian fans because they've been uh, dazzled in the '90s by uh, this production of *Fan of the Opera*. Yeah.
1: Hey yeah. guys, we have some feedback for you on your masquerade number. It's <laughs> somewhere between the Canadian production and the original Broadway
0: production. Take that as you will, and please apply that to the second season of the show. Alex's so Alex's city mouse attitude is really hammering on Pete's country mouse <laughs> attitude. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Pete had never seen oh, the bright man. lights of the big city till he went to the Canadian production of. Uh, man with the Opera. That's exactly correct.
1: Thank you, Justin. <laughs> oh man. Well, anyway, this was a lot of fun. They do a whole masquerade uh, to fool Satan which I, I gotta tell you I will say even though I enjoyed the number I, if you're Satan and people are like we're doing a song about fooling you with masks yeah
0: you should figure out something's yeah, wrong listen there. up yeah, pay attention yeah. Satan I mean I did I like the scene as well but I was watching the um, I switched over to the Canadian episode uh, The Canadian produced <laughs> episode of this of the show Oh, were you
1: watching the chilling ventures of Sabrina? Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> it's still good. It's just much colder.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, But they do end up tricking Satan uh, with this glamour and they bind him in the Acheron configuration. Great team moment going on there. Everybody working together. Uh, but of course, that doesn't work. Lucifer pops doesn't out and me. says, no, come on. What are you even doing? Um, this isn't going to work. Satan, you uh, can't hold me. Right. And then Miss Wardwell says, quickly, Nick, you need to bind him inside your own body. And Nick sacrifices himself for Sabrina, for the world. That binds Lucifer in his own body. We see a quick moment of a flash of red in his eyes before they knock him out. Now, well, cousin
2: uh, Ambrose did it. It was a really quick uh, move on Ambrose's part to save the day.
1: Yeah. Now, let me ask you a question about this. How. We don't get to see exactly because Nick Scratch is unconscious the rest of the episode. Again, very bad boy thing to do. Yes. Uh, but how very do you think this works? Event. Is. Nick scratch gone. Has he been hollowed out by Lucifer or is he there just containing Lucifer in his body? Uh, we do, I think it could go in any direction, but I'm curious to get your takes on it.
2: Wait, before we get to that, I want to talk about what happened. Like the chain of events and the fact that Madam Satan was like, guys, that didn't work. What you have to do is we have to put him inside of a human quick. Nick scratch. Uh, you do that. And I was like, this is so clear that this is her plan the whole time. Well,
0: she also knew he would do it because he was going to sacrifice himself for Sabrina.
1: Right. right. Yeah, she, uh, this is like we were saying before. She manipulated the whole situation in order for this to happen, uh, to take away Sabrina's
0: thing that she loved, et cetera, I'm et cetera. To, I'm starting to think that Madame Satan is not the most trustworthy character. Hmm. Huh. What do huh. you think? Uh, well, no, I, mean,
2: I she does give two gifts, and they were pretty good gifts.
0: That's true. Yeah, two, yeah, two, no, two gifts. I trust her compl- You're only required to bring one gift to any party, like a bottle of wine. Yeah. To bring two yeah, gifts. It, she, she could have she done
1: that. She'd be like, I'm sorry, uh, Sabrina, that I need to take your boyfriend to hell. Uh, here, I have one gift for you. It's a bottle of wine. I, I picked it up on the way over. And I also yeah.
0: got you some hummus.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I dug into it a little bit. I was hungry on the way over, so there's a couple of bites out of it, but you can put it in a bowl, it'll be fine.
0: Exactly. Or a cauldron, which is a great way to hold liquids. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but let's get back to the what happened to Nick Scratch thing.
1: Do you think he is gone at this point? Do you think just Lucifer is being held in his body? How did you read that?
0: No, he's holding Lucifer. I think um, uh, I think Nick Scratch will return. Uh, he is the, um, the true love of Sabrina, as we find out. Oh, my God. And, um, yeah, he'll be back. I think he's going to be battling his demons, literally, which is the Dark Lord. Yeah, Yeah.
1: So, as we mentioned, Miss Wardwell, uh, actually, Madam Satan gives her two gifts. The first one, at the Gates of Hell. Now that she's the Queen of Hell, she gives Sabrina her witch powers back, so Sabrina is back to normal. She's not overpowered like she was before, but she does have her basic powers. She's promised one more gift as uh, Madam Satan and Nick Scratch disappear into the Gates of Hell ostensibly forever. Um, They... Then we get a montage of a couple of different scenes of things that are happening. First one, Zelda and Hilda are looking at the remains of the Church of Night, and yeah. they say, what are we going to do here? There's barely anybody. There's a handful of witches and warlocks left. And Zelda says, well, I guess I'll have to figure out as the high priestess of the Church of Lilith, which th- that, to me, brings the entire season to a close, essentially. Like, there's other things that happen there, but that's where the season needed to go. Not necessarily as Zelda as high priestess, though. That's giving her what she wants, but bringing it around to being the church of Lilith that yeah. shows the church of Judas, the church of night, all this conflict that we have at the other time. They're going to have to deal with other things going forward, but that part is done for now. Yeah.
2: Which is great because, you know, that can clear up the whole, uh, uh, kind of like what their real beliefs are and they can kind of start over.
0: Well, and also it's an interesting move to put them at the center of something, as opposed to being, they've spent all of these 19 episodes on the outskirts, and now to put them at the center will be interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a classic, okay, you wanted to lead, what do you do now type thing, and they're going to have plenty of problems to deal with, as well as how do they build up the Church of Lilith. Uh, the second thing that happens is that father Blackwood is on the run with the twins and Prudence and Ambrose are oh, teaming up yeah. together. Um, we didn't mention this, but there was a nice moment there with them earlier where Ambrose says to Prudence, we're both tricked by Father Blackwood. We were looking for a father figure we didn't have. He provided that, but we were wrong. And so they put on the battle gear. They chopped the head off of the Statue of Judas. Prudence
2: Uh, looking like a badass with the double swords.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and they're going to go hunting Father Blackwood and try to rescue the twins. Fun cliffhanger there. I'm curious to see what's going to happen with that going forward. And then the last one is that the humans and Sabrina are hanging out at Doctor Cerebus's bookstore. Oh yeah, and Miss Wardwell comes in, and it's the real Miss Wardwell who has lost all of her time since the very first episode. She's pretty hungry, uh, goes to get something to eat. But that's the second present is that Sabrina gets her favorite teacher back.
2: Yeah, which was a great line when she was like, "You killed my favorite teacher."
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think Miss Wardwell is going to be a little upset when it, she finds out
0: that she ate her fiance. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, maybe well, that was it wasn't her plan. Her fiance
2: at the time.
0: Yeah, well, no, I think he had proposed. That maybe that was her plan the whole time though. You don't know if she mm-hmm. eats mm-hmm. humans too. She could be like a praying mantis human situation. Yeah. Sure. She could be That's one of the
2: ghoulies and like eats humans and stuff, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and then the last thing is after uh, Harvey gives them the name Fright Club, <laughs> great, <laughs>
0: great stuff. I feel Killing like it, maybe Killing don't it. let Harvey name things. I don't know. That's just just a thought. Yeah, don't let Harvey is sort of could be a motto for a lot of things.
2: But <laughs> <laughs> well, also it was great to see them all back together and them excited about their next adventure. And then Sabrina's like their
0: next chilling adventure.
2: Yeah, and Sabrina's like, we're going to hell to get my boyfriend back. Exactly.
0: Another great
2: one-liner, guys.
0: Great one-liner, and great to hear her knowing what to call Nick Scratch, her boyfriend. Yeah, Uh, I thought it was
1: great to once again have her do the one thing that everybody told her not to do, which (laughs) this whole thing happened, where it's like, okay, Lucifer's escaped from hell, we bound him, we gotta bring him back to hell forever, and she's like, great, first thing we're gonna do, we're gonna go into hell, and we're gonna get (laughs) get my boyfriend back, let's go, guys. Yeah. Which, that's fine Like It it made me laugh out loud Because over the course of 20 episodes She's done that at least 20 times And it's completely consistent with her behavior To be like,
0: oh, what she are you doing Spruce? Oh my
1: god oh, It, it god. is funny, it's again. like
0: if at the end of the Lord of the Rings Frodo is like Alright, we gotta get that ring back <laughs> <laughs> And I'm down, I'm here for that I'm here for that attitude It's great
1: I'm very into it. Um, One question about one of the other cliffhangers uh, for you guys. So Michelle Gomez, absolutely fantastic as Lilith, as Madam Satan. Technically speaking now, you would say that Madam Satan is probably back to being her look in prehistory times versus Miss Wardwell because she was inhabiting that body. Right. Do you think she's going to, put to be in potentially part three, part four? And if so, are we just going to see her as Miss Wardwell or are we going to see Madam Satan in her form?
2: Yeah, we're going to see Madam Satan in her form because we have the real Wardwell back.
1: Oh, really? I- see, I think Michelle Gomez was so good as Madam Satan. Yeah, I think we
0: got to see her as Michelle Gomez.
1: Yeah, I think there's a very easy like oh, I'm in a form that's more comfortable for you Yeah, type thing, and that's how you get around it, and it's fine. But she was so delightful. I mean, i will glad to have her around anyway, but I think, A, Madam Satan is going to come back, and, B, I think we'll see her as Michelle Gomez.
0: And the same goes for Lucifer. I don't think we're going to see young, hot Lucifer. We're going to see uh, Horsehead. The goat boy. Yeah, yeah we're going to see
1: Horsehead, and I... I what do you think is going to happen with Nick Scratch then, potentially in season two? Is he going to get back to normal immediately? Is he going to be Lucifer in Nick Scratch's
0: body for a while? Yeah,
2: I think that's what's going to happen. It's going to be a little bit of like... Yeah,
0: there's going to be, I think, some uh, personality sharing inside the Nick Scratch body. So there'll be like a bad boy in the same body as like a bad boy. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think... Like um, two bad. bad boys. It's, it's, like, a, body. it's a,
1: like Mastryka of uh, bad boys. Yeah,
2: I think what's going to happen is Sabrina's going to show up in hell and, uh, you know, Miss, Madam Satan is already going to have s- Satan in some other body and she's just going to be, you know, getting in on with Nick Scratch and Sabrina's going to be like, hey, what are you doing? And she's like, well, you know,
0: Nick Scratch <laughs> is hot. So.
1: Oh, yeah. You, um. So you ship Scratchy Madam.
0: Yeah. Nice. What? Pete? What? Shut up. That's not cool.
1: Yeah, I don't know why you're cool with uh, pedophilia, but you're not cool with incest, which is very cool. That is not. Uh, You got to look at the most popular shows on TV, dude. Uh, Game of Thrones, (laughs) dot, dot, dot. Lots of incest going on there. Uh, What other predictions do you guys have for season two? What do you want to see? What are you looking forward to? This ended in an enormous way with bringing the devil to Earth and apocalypse to Earth. How could they possibly top that in season two?
2: Well, I'll tell you how uh, Dorcas is how uh, Mm. it's going to
0: be a more Dorcas.
2: Pete really jumping
0: on
1: the Dorcas train. Yep, Nice. I'm into it. I think we got to see more from her. Clearly she survived, which is a big hint that big things are coming with Dorcas in part three. Um, I think that's going to be great. Justin, you have any predictions for parts three and four?
0: No, you really took the words out of my mouth with Dorcas uh, rising, um, really taking the reins, and just having more than two or three lines for the entire season. Um, I think, uh, I mean, I think we're going to see the journey into hell uh, to get Nick Scratch back. Uh, We do have to – if we all believe or if it's narratively uh, expected that Harvey and Sabrina will eventually get back together, um, I do think – I would like to see that journey extended for as long as possible.
2: I agree. I hope they don't. um, And also, I think that uh, Hilda and her boyfriend are going to have a lot more in the next coming season because they're fantastic. Wait a
0: second, Pete. So you are happy with Harvey and Roz? Very happy, but I didn't wow. think I would but be. But you also, but, I but am. you also hate Sabrina and Nick Scratch. Yeah, because
2: Nick Scratch is not good enough to be with. Sabrina. So you
0: want Sabrina to be single?
2: No, I think Sabrina can find somebody who will, uh, you know, not be somebody who is uh, a bad boy. I think you know she needs a Harvey type character, but not Harvey. Hmm. No, because it's clear that Harvey and Roz are in love right now.
0: Okay. Uh, hmm. Well, there's no one else. Uh,
1: It'll also be interesting to see what they do on a thematic bent because this was so clearly fascist misogynists versus feminists this season. Now that the Church of Lilith is ascendant and they've won, it'll be interesting to see what themes they try to tackle that direction in parts three and four. I don't think that's going away anytime soon. That's baked into the show itself, but With that imminent threat, I mean, misogyny is not going anywhere in society. Maybe they'll have to deal with it in human society instead of witch society. Um, But it'll be curious. It'll be they dealt with it in such a full way in this first season. I'm interested to see how they continue to follow that threat in season two.
2: Also, it'll be interesting to see how they update the scripture that they follow. And if they will be so pro, like, mingling of human and witches and warlocks.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that to me feels like a theme that they established but didn't really follow up is the human-witch uh, combination. And that's something that I think, um, especially with a new uh, sort of religion forming or a new church forming, um, maybe that will become come to center stage. Yeah. yeah. Before we
1: wrap up for the season, Witch-Witch, this season... Reign Supreme. Okay. Season. And Pete, for you, that includes part one and part two, or season one and season two, or whatever you want to call Thank it.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. Pete, what would you say? Which, which reigned supreme? reigned supreme. I'm, I'm going to have to go with uh, Lilith, a.k.a. Madame Satan.
0: Wow. Um, Choosing was, the bad guy.
2: It was really interesting uh, to see her kind of pull all the strings and make all the moves. Uh, and as much as I want to say Hildo because she is a badass and I love to see her come to power, I feel like the, the real kind of driving force through this first two-part season, or season one and season two, as normal people call it, uh, it really revolved around Lilith.
1: Cool. I'll I'll pick Aunt Hilda if that's all right. Just to wow. follow up on you, Pete there. Cool. yeah. Alice stole your pick. I really do love this cast and I've really enjoyed following them grow and get closer to each other and have fun with these roles as they've got on. But Lucy Davis is so good and every single one of her line readings is so funny and so good. But to Pete's point, particularly in the second half of the season, she has been able to stand up and play more layers with the characters and more nuance and it's great. It's just fun to watch, and every single time she is on camera, she completely lights up the
0: scene. She's fantastic. She is. Justin, uh, which witch? Okay, well, let's see. Let's run through all of them. Of course, it's Nick Scratch. He went from <laughs> he went from introducing himself to becoming the centerpiece of the show, uh, becoming the true love of Sabrina Spellman, the main character. Uh, rising, falling, being the baddest boy of all by being the most polite boy of all, betraying her at the end and then making the ultimate sacrifice. That there is a witch that rules them all. One witch to rule them all. And this is uh, the end
1: of this particular podcast, but we have plenty more podcasts for you guys to check out. We do have a regular Riverdale podcast called Riverdale After Dark. You should check out as well as our live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by. We chat about comic books and interview folks every single week. Also, if you want to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. You get a bunch of fun bonuses that way.
0: Pete, what else do you want to plug?
2: Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on
0: Twitter at comicbooklive and at Riverdale Dark. Check us out
1: at comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. And we'll see you guys next season.